the Lord, everybody. Are you thankful you know he lives? Praise God. Well, thank you for standing and worshiping. You can be seated. And we're going to get into our Bible lesson today. Thank you for being here and uh, for worshiping. It's a good spirit of the Lord today. Uh, the Lord's been dealing with me about a particular subject, and I've entitled it Forgiveness in Unexpected Places. Forgiveness in Unexpected Places. And I think that if you, if you boil the lesson from Calvary down, of course we know it's, it's our avenue for salvation, and uh, we can't be saved without the cross, but also the, the overarching theme of the story is a lesson of forgiveness, that God so loved the world that he was willing to come and live and die and offer forgiveness to undeserving people in an unexpected way. Aren't you glad that, that God knew better than the devil and he was able to conquer hell, death, and the grave? What an amazing thing. And he did it so that he could offer a unique and unexpected forgiveness for you and I. And I think that as Christians, we have to model what it means to be a forgiving people. Uh, and I was thinking about it. I'm, I only have time to look at a few uh, passages of Scripture this morning. But if you were to look at the Old Testament, uh, there are powerful examples of forgiveness in unexpected places. Uh, give you a little homework assignment here if you have time. If you've never studied the story of Gomer and Hosea, you should read the story of Gomer and Hosea, how God instructed Hosea the prophet uh, to marry a woman of ill repute. And uh, she was unfaithful to him. And, uh, and he forgave her and he brought her back. You know, off the lesson there is that God is willing to come and find us and forgive us in spite of our failures. Aren't you glad he forgives? Anybody ever failed here today? I think we could all be honest and say we've fallen down at some point. Jesus echoed that same theme in the story of the prodigal son, the parable. When the father ran out to an undeserving son who'd squandered his inheritance, uh, who'd gotten rid of everything, who'd thrown his life away, and the father was waiting for him when he came home and offered him forgiveness, the son said, I'm not even worthy. I'll just be a servant in my father's house. But the father said, oh, no, you're still my son. I love you, and I forgive you. Are you glad that God found you when you were lost, when you were unworthy? It was forgiveness in an unexpected place. That's exactly what the prodigal son experienced. Joseph, another great story in the Old Testament. Joseph, as you know, is uh, very closely paralleled with the life of Jesus. There's a lot of typology there. And remember, it was his brothers who sold him into slavery. They even plotted to kill him. And years and years later, when Joseph had risen to power, in Egypt, his brothers were forced to go to Egypt because there was a famine in their country. They didn't even recognize their brother. And when they finally did, they, they thought, this is it. He's finally going to get his revenge. He's going to pay us back. And many of us would have taken that opportunity to pay our brothers back who sold us into slavery. But Joseph offered forgiveness in an unexpected place. Can you say amen? And we need to have that kind of that kind of attitude. Another Old Testament story, uh, I'm just throwing these out because it's so illustrative of what we're talking about. But Moses, 
forgave the people. Moses led them out of Egypt. He led them out of bondage. He had been a, a great leader for them. He was God's man. He was a prophet. And the people turned their back on him on several occasions. But one was especially heinous. It was the rebellion of Korah. And the people rose up. They wanted to overthrow Moses, perhaps even kill him. It was a terrible, terrible situation. And it angered God so much that God was saying, uh, I'm going to destroy everybody. And Moses got on his knees, got on his face and said, Lord, Lord, please, please have mercy on them. It was forgiveness in an unexpected place. He was praying for the people that were trying to destroy him. That's a hard thing to do sometimes, isn't it? It's a hard thing to do if we're being honest. Now, I want to take you to the next slide, the Gospel of John, chapter 8 and verse 3. And I want us to look at our first uh, theme of forgiveness in an unexpected place in the life of Jesus. In verse 3, the scribes and Pharisees brought unto Jesus a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto Jesus, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. So there could be no doubt this wasn't a question of whether or not she was guilty or not guilty. They knew it was true. In verse 5, they said to Jesus, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Ah, now, if you were this woman in that moment, you would have been expecting a, a message of judgment. You would have been expecting Jesus to uh, bring condemnation. And instead, Jesus begins to do several curious things. He writes in the sand. Uh, there's a lot of speculation about what he was doing there. Uh, I've always leaned towards the belief that he was writing down the secret sins of her accusers. We don't know that for sure, but he was definitely writing something, and what he wrote silenced the accusers. And then he looked at them, and he said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Now, I want to be clear. Jesus was not excusing sin. He wasn't saying that her sin was okay, and he wasn't saying that their sin was okay. But what he was saying is that it's hypocrisy to stone one person for their sin when you have the same sin in your life. And he was also about to prove that he was God manifest in the flesh and he had the authority to offer undeserved forgiveness. Did you know God forgives, he can forgive, and he will forgive? In verse 10, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. And then notice the command that's attached to that forgiveness. He said, I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. What a beautiful thing that is, that Jesus offered forgiveness in an unexpected place. And that's how Jesus is today. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still offers forgiveness when we don't deserve it. And I'm thankful for that because I've been the recipient of it. I've been on the, I've been on the side where I needed the forgiveness of Jesus. And others were saying, no, 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 we, we ought to offer judgment, condemnation. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to forgive you. And then I want you to get up 
and go and sin no more. I'll take you to the next slide. Again, we're looking at Jesus here. Jesus taught a lot about forgiveness. Not only did he forgive, he forgave in a lot of unusual places. How many remember the story of the man that was, uh, he was paralyzed? Or in the King James, the Bible says he was sick of the palsy. And uh, he couldn't get out of his bed. And Jesus was teaching in a house, and the house was packed. Uh, nobody could get into the house. In fact, people were gathered outside of the house. And this man who was paralyzed had some friends who knew that if they could just get him to Jesus, that Jesus would heal this paralytic man. And so they carried him on his bed and they climbed onto the roof and they began to break that roof apart, broke it into pieces, and they lowered their friend down. And the, the King James says it interesting. It says they lowered him right before Jesus. In other words, Jesus was teaching like I'm teaching. Can you imagine if the roof broke open and all of a sudden a man came, was just lowered down on a bed right in front of me? That's what they did to Jesus. He's teaching, and all of a sudden there's a man in a bed coming from the roof in front of Jesus. And rather than, than just healing him immediately, the Bible says that Jesus said he saw he was moved with compassion. He was touched by his faith and he said, thy sins are forgiven thee. Jesus was demonstrating that forgiveness is even more important than healing in your body. Did you know that? Now, Jesus did heal him, but he forgave him first. Sometimes I think where we get kind of backwards with God is we come to God with our immediate needs in our bodies. We want healing. Uh, we need a financial blessing. How many would just like a financial blessing right now? That's your prayer request. Yeah, absolutely. We all have that. There's nothing wrong with having a need like that. And if, if you're sick, if you're paralyzed, that's going to be one of the foremost things on your mind. You're going to come to God uh, needing certain things. But can I tell you that the state of your soul is far more important than the state of your body. And Jesus offered him unexpected forgiveness right in that moment. And it's a powerful thing. Jesus was doing that on many occasions. And, and by the way, he didn't do that on accident. He was doing it to show the Pharisees and the Sadducees that hated him. They were rejecting the reality that he was the Messiah. How many realize that was the epic struggle between Jesus and the religious leaders. Uh, they had no problem with him being a good teacher, but where they struggled is when he started claiming to be the Messiah, the King of Kings, God manifest in the flesh. And every time he said, thy sins are forgiven, he was claiming to be God. Does everybody understand that? Every time, because only God can forgive sins. And every time Jesus said, hey, your sins are forgiven, he was saying to those onlookers, I'm God, I can forgive sins. I'm God manifest in the flesh. And it made him crazy. And so Jesus taught on forgiveness all the time. Mark eleven twenty five. This is a tough one. Some of us are going to struggle with these scriptures. But he said, and when you stand praying, forgive. Can you say that with me? Forgive. If you have ought against any or if you have, uh, if you have a problem with someone, if you have enmity with someone. 
If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. Did you know that, that your salvation is connected to your willingness to have a forgiving heart like God has? Verse 26, but if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Wow, that's a tough one, isn't it? That's a hard one to hear. Jesus taught that. Luke 6, 27, Jesus teaching again. He said, but I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Wow, that's hard too, isn't it? Wow. Do good to them which hate you. Verse 28, bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. Wow. That's a lot easier said than done. Next slide. Jesus is still teaching here. He had a lot to say about forgiveness. Matthew 18 and 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And then he said, maybe seven times. Now, <laughs> that, always, that always tickles me for some reason that Peter had a number. He's like, okay, seven is my threshold. If they cross me more than seven times, that's it. It's, it's happening. And so he's trying to get clarification from Jesus. How many times do I really have to forgive, Lord? I mean, I understand that forgiveness is necessary, but there has to be a limit to forgiveness, right? Admit it, we all feel that way sometimes, don't we? There's got to be a limit. There's got to be a point where it's okay for me to just smack them in the face. Right? Some of you feel that way. You're looking at me all holy right now. But you know good and well that there's times when you feel like there's a threshold. If they cross it, God's fine. If it, God understands. They've just, and, and some people's threshold is a whole lot shorter than other people's threshold. Sometimes they just look at you cross-eyed and you feel like you've got a right. And so Peter had this, this idea, okay, Lord, maybe there's a point where it'd be okay. Verse 22, Jesus kind of burst that bubble a little bit. And he said, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Now, some of you are doing the math right now. I see it. You have your phone out. You're getting the calculator because you're trying to figure out what 70 times seven is. So you can kind of keep a little notebook. And if they get to that magic number, then it's okay. But you're missing the point. That was an expression in, in Bible times that basically meant unlimited. There's no limit to the amount of times that you need to forgive. So put the calculator away. And understand that Jesus was saying we've got to forgive all the time. We've got to be willing to forgive all the time. Go ahead and say that out loud. All the time. Oh, I feel the resistance. That's okay, though. That's all right. Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Amen. But it's easy to talk about forgiveness, but actually forgiving is much harder. And, you know, when Jesus did much of this teaching early on in his ministry, he was very popular. You do know Jesus was popular uh, at certain points in his ministry. He had a short window where the crowds were coming from everywhere. Of course, if you were feeding 5,000 people at once, you'd be popular too. Mama just starts cooking chicken and the whole neighborhood tries to come over. You know, when you get food involved, he's feeding people. He's healing the sick. He's doing all kinds of good. And so he, he had a lot of popular points in his ministry. In fact, he was so popular that 
the woman with the issue of blood, she crawled through the crowd. She could barely get to Jesus. The Bible says the press was so great. In other words, people were crowding around him so tightly that it was almost impossible to get near Jesus. And so she had to crawl through the crowd. She had to push through the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment. After she did that, just a few verses later, the Bible says that everybody was trying to get to Jesus and just touch the hem of his garment. And when they would touch the hem of his garment, they would be healed. What that tells me is that everywhere Jesus went, people were pushing through crowds, shoving each other out of the way, crawling on the ground if they had to, anything they could do to touch Jesus. It's easy to preach about forgiveness when everybody likes you. It's easy to preach about forgiveness when you're the most popular preacher in town, when you're the one that everyone wants to be around. Everybody's trying to get in touch with you. It's easy. It's easy to be that way when everyone likes you. But can I tell you that Jesus was not a hypocrite? He was consistent throughout his entire life and throughout his entire ministry. A lot of people talk about forgiveness when everything's going good. A lot of people will nod their head and say, Amen, preacher, when everybody likes them and everything's going great. But there are going to be times, I'll take you to the next slide. And of course, we know the Easter story. And in a little while, we'll be focused on the resurrection. But how many understand that before there could be a resurrection, there had to be a lot of pain. There had to be some blood. There had to be a death. And so Jesus had many reasons to be unforgiving at the end of his life. The Bible says that Judas betrayed him. His closest, one of his closest disciples, a part of the 12 that were with him constantly day and night. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. The Sanhedrin unjustly accused him. They lied about him and they brought false accusations against him. The crowd cried, crucify him. They said, we'd rather have Barabbas than Jesus. Go ahead and crucify Jesus. Now, I've made this point before, but it's such a powerful point. I'm going to make it again. There had to be people in that crowd who had been healed by Jesus. There had to be people. He healed so many people. He touched so many lives. There were people in that crowd who got caught up in the moment. Maybe it was peer pressure. Maybe they were fearful for their own lives. Um, whatever it was, maybe they had turned on Jesus for some kind of theological reason. But there were people in that crowd whose lives had been touched by Jesus and they still cried, crucify him. Pilate washed his hands. And he had the blood, innocent blood on his hands. And he tried to wash that guilt away and he was unable to do it. He sent Jesus away to not only be crucified, but the soldiers, they scourged him. And uh, I'm not going to try to tug too deep on your heartstrings, but this was more than just a, a little spanking. This was a terrible beating, a cat of nine tails. It literally ripped the skin off of his back. It literally exposed his bones. It was a terrible, terrible beating. In fact, the beating was so bad that that alone almost killed him. It probably would have killed some people. They mocked him as they beat him. They spit on him. Uh, they put a crown of thorns on his head. They put a, 
They put a mock robe on him and they laughed at him. And so not only was it physical pain, but it was psychological pain. It was emotional pain. They made him pick up and carry his own cross up the hill until finally he fell down and was not able to continue. They stripped him naked. They thrust a spear in his side. They nailed him to that cross, his hands and his feet. While he was hanging on the cross, bleeding, bruised, broken, the crowd laughed at him. They mocked him and they They even said things like, if you're really the son of God, why don't you just take yourself down off of that cross? Down right at the foot of the cross, the Roman soldiers, they were gambling for his garment. They were gambling for his possessions. And in the middle of all of that, Jesus was still God manifest in the flesh. At any point in time, he could have called down 10,000 angels. At any point in time, he could have called a lightning bolt from heaven and he could have scattered that crowd. He, with one word, he could have just spoken and everybody just fallen back. He could, have, he could have taken himself off of the cross. He could have ascended back up into glory. But he loved you and me so much that he was willing to stay there on that cross. He was willing to endure the suffering, the pain, He was willing to endure the torment because he loves you and me so much. We all could have understood if Jesus would have cried out in condemnation. We all would understand if Jesus would have rebuked the crowd. I don't know about you, but I have to admit I've searched my heart many times. And it would really take a a supernatural touch of God for me to be beaten like that a spear thrust in my side, hanging on a cross. It really would take a miracle for me to do anything but just kind of lash out at the crowd. It would have been tempting to, to try to put them in their place. It would have been tempting to argue and say, what have I ever done except try to be kind and heal you and bless your family? What have I ever done to harm you? It would have been tempting, if nothing else, just to plead your case and try to prove to the crowd that you really didn't deserve to be there. But Luke chapter 23 and verse 33 in our text in the next slide shows us what Jesus did. And I know you know the story, but I'd like to focus on it for a moment here. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, the two thieves, one on the right hand and the other on the left, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them that derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. In the middle of all of that, He offered forgiveness in an unexpected place. Isn't it amazing that Jesus could look down from Calvary? It was easy to teach about it when everyone liked him, but he was consistent. Even hanging on a cross, he he did exactly what he had taught all those times before. And he offered forgiveness to people who did not deserve forgiveness. Can we lift our hands and thank him for forgiveness right now? Lord, I thank you for forgiveness in my life. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you didn't turn your back on me when I was was against you, God. 
but you've been for me. In the next slide, still in the Gospel of Luke, a few verses later, verse 39, one of the thieves was hanging next to him. Remember, there were two thieves, one on each side. And one of them was saying, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. So he was mocking Jesus just like the crowd was. But the other thief, answering, rebuked the one who was mocking Jesus and said, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, in other words, we deserve what, what we're getting. For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today, look at your neighbor and say today, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Can you imagine, here you were a criminal. We don't know exactly what his crimes were, but we know they were, they were enough to get him crucified. And he even admitted in his own words, I deserve to be on this cross. I'm not unjustly accused. I, I deserve what I'm getting. And uh, I'm, I'm paying for my own crimes. And he looked at Jesus in that moment. And I'm sure that when they, were, when they were hammering those nails into that thief's hands, when they were hammering those nails into his feet, I'm sure the last thing he expected was to find forgiveness and salvation hanging on a cross. I'm sure that's the last place he ever dreamed that he would get right with God. But hanging on a cross in the worst pain he'd ever experienced in his life, in the most humiliating moment of his entire life, breathing his final breath, he cried out to Jesus for forgiveness, and Jesus gave him forgiveness in an unexpected place. Can anybody testify that you were at the end of your rope when you came to Jesus, and he didn't turn his back on you, he didn't reject you, he didn't say, no, you've gone too far. You've crossed the line. No, no, no. He gave you forgiveness that you did not deserve. In fact, I found in many people's lives that oftentimes people get right with God when they reach rock bottom because they have nowhere else to turn. They've tried everything. And when you turn to Jesus, he will never, ever reject you. And he will never, ever let you down. Amen. 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 He will always be there for you. I'll take you to the final slide. To be like Jesus, we must forgive the undeserving. Point yourself and say, that's me. I've got to forgive the undeserving. One of the messages that Paul talked about many times is that we cannot take the grace of God. We can't accept God's forgiveness and then say, I'm unwilling to turn around and forgive others. To be like Jesus, we have to forgive people when they don't deserve it. If you're waiting to forgive people until they deserve it, sometimes you're going to wait your entire life. Some people never deserve forgiveness. Some of you all are nodding your head. Don't look at the person beside you. Some people will never deserve forgiveness. But we have to forgive them anyway. We must demonstrate the kind of radical, and it is radical, it's radical forgiveness that is unexpected and rare. Forgiveness that surprises people with its timing. It's impossible to forgive someone and hate them at the same time. Did you know that? You cannot forgive someone and hate them 
at the same time. Forgiveness flows from humility. You can't truly forgive people and have a prideful heart. Hello. You can't truly forgive people and have a prideful heart. Forgiveness comes from a place of humility. It comes from a place of selflessness. And it comes from a place of godliness. Forgiveness takes self out of the equation. One of the reasons that we struggle to forgive like we should is because really it's a selfishness problem. We can't humble ourselves and say, listen, I know, I know that I've been wrong, but I'm still willing to be like Jesus and offer forgiveness that's undeserving. It's very important that we're willing. Listen, if God manifest on the flesh could be hanging on the cross and give forgiveness to undeserving people, how much more should we have a heart that says there's nothing that you can do that would keep me from having the love of Christ in my heart? Forgiveness refuses to get even. Forgiveness refuses to repay evil with evil or let bitterness take control. Forgiveness is the very core of Christ-likeness. You cannot be Christ-like and be unforgiving at the same time. True Christians offer forgiveness in unexpected places. In fact, it's a powerful testimony. When you forgive people when they don't deserve it, you are testifying of the love of God, and it will touch people's heart and touch people's life. Forgiving is just one way that we die to ourselves and do like Paul said and pick up our cross, metaphorically speaking, and carry our cross every day like Jesus. How many want to be like Jesus here today? How many want to have a heart like God? Then we need to have a forgiving heart. It's a vital part of the Easter story. Before you could ever get to a resurrection, the reason there was a resurrection is because God so loved the world that he was willing to offer forgiveness in an unexpected place. Could we stand and lift up our heart? I'll tell you what I'd like us to do. We're almost done. Before we get into our main service, if, and before we get into the, the main sermon today, let's just go ahead and clear anything in our spirit that's not right. If, you, if you're holding anything against anybody, before we have a move of the Holy Ghost, God's about to show up in this place. God's going to touch some hearts, touch some lives. But why don't we lift our hands and just clear anything out. If you have ought against your brother, just say, Lord, I don't want to have bitterness in my heart. I don't want to have anger in my heart. I, I don't want to hold things against people, Lord. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be forgiving. I want to be gracious. I want to be loving. I want to be kind, Lord, even though they don't deserve it. God, I want to be right. I want my spirit to be right. I want my heart to be right. I give you praise. I give you glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.